as we live our Christian life, we're always, well, applying the principle of replacement. You're replacing something with something. And when the Bible talks about be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, means that you are following the principle of replacement. You're replacing the flesh with the spirit, the wisdom of man with the wisdom of God. And you're learning how to trade your treasures that are temporary here on earth with treasures that are eternal in heaven. So I want you to take your Bible, first of all, as a little background to this, and turn to the book of Matthew and chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. We sometimes don't always understand the value of life, therefore we waste it. The value of time, we misspend it. The value of the Christian life and the command of what God wants us to do with our life. So here in the book of Matthew in chapter 10, he's called them. And then in chapter 10 and verse 5, he's commanded them. And then he gives them some concern there in verse 15 about the value of what they're doing from the lost man's point of view. And then you have in verse 23, the comfort that God wants to give to us as we serve the Lord. And so the comfort he gives is because man is afraid to do what God wants him to do, to step out in faith. When you don't have the confidence in your own talent and abilities, and you got to trust the true and living God that you cannot see. Trust in his word when you've never gone that way before. It's like trying to follow a footpath that's in the sea. It's traceless and it's trackless. And you've got to listen to his voice, to the word of God. So he says there in uh, verse 26, Fear not, and don't be afraid of what people are going to say, because if they call him the prince of Beelzebub, what do you think people are going to say about you? And you'd be surprised how many times we hold back because we're afraid of what people are going to say. In verse 28, he says, and fear not because of what people can do to you. They can be cruel at times. People can take your life. They can take your job. They can steal your funds. But fear not. What you've been called to do is more important than what people say. And what you do, what God has to say is more important than what people can do to you. You see, there has to be something that eliminates the fear and courage is fear that says its prayers and goes ahead. So you need to be very courageous and be not afraid, as he told Joshua in chapter 1 of the book of Joshua. Then you'll notice down here, he says in verse 30, he had explained to them that a bird cannot fall without the knowledge of the Father. He says, and ye are of more value than many sparrows. Put a high price on you because God does. Put a high price upon that which he's called you to do because God does. Put a high price upon the lost man because God does. God loves that lost man so much he was willing to take his place and die in his place. That's how much value that God put upon that man. And he says, whosoever shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, he says, 
Your life is worth more than all the value of the whole world itself. We don't always see things the way they really are. You are important. I had a man tell me one time and really discouraged me. He says, God doesn't need you. And I thought, well, if he doesn't need me, then why did he make me? I believe God does need me. And I believe God has put me into this world for a reason. And therefore, I believe I am important. And I refuse to let other people lessen my value because God has put a high stamp of approval upon me. And therefore, I don't feel intimidated by any man or anything. It eliminated a lot of my fear because I'm not afraid of what anybody can say or what anybody can do to me. Because I got God who thinks it's worth it. And if I've got something worth living for, I want to do so. So he makes a statement here in verse 30. And the very hairs of your head are all numbered. That used to be important to me. <laughs> he doesn't have to count as high as he used to. But then he says in verse 32... Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, I will confess before the Father. And whosoever denies me before men, I will deny him before the Father. He's already talking to his disciples. He's not talking about how to go to heaven. He's talking about you not being afraid to confess Christ before men. It doesn't mean like we just had a couple of people join our church. They come down, they confess, but now they never have to do it again. No, it's not, not talking about that. It's talking about you as your way of life. What to do with your life. And so he says... If you deny me, I'll deny you. But the only thing he can deny me is the rewards in heaven. He can't deny me salvation because that's based upon what he did for me. Rewards are what I do for him. So i got to understand the value of what I'm doing. And this is why some people, they look at the world and see what does the world have to offer me. And so many people, they miss out on the Christian life of living the way God wants them to live because they're afraid they're going to give up something. They're going to lose. You can't outgive God. You can't make a sacrifice bigger than what God's going to give you when you get to heaven. Obedience is the very best key. Now here in Matthew in chapter 10, look what he said in verse 37 very quickly. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. In other words, you can't pay the price. You've got to love the Lord enough that you can pay the price of losing everything else. I have to be willing to serve the Lord if I lose my wife, if I lose my kids, if I lose my brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and all the rest of them. If I lose everything, I've got to love the Lord enough. He's got to be worth it to me to pay whatever price it is to serve the Lord. And many people are not willing to pay that price. They want more, but they can't pay the price because they love something more than Him. And so he says here in verse 38, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. In other words, you can't pay the price. You can't afford to carry that cross. Because you've got to be a vessel that's fit for service. And people don't want to commit themselves. They don't want to serve the Lord that bad. So therefore they don't use. They come, sit, soak, and sour, and never serve God. Never do anything, never step out, never see what could God have done with my life. And so they sit around just twiddling their thumbs. Wondering, I wonder what I could have done. I wonder what I could have been. I wonder where God would have wanted me to go. I wonder what I could have accomplished. When you get to heaven and you find out, lo and behold. 
And so he says here in verse 39, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. In other words, your purpose for living can only be found when you lose your life for his sake. And if you're not willing to lose your life for his sake, you'll never find the life that you could have had. Or you'll live life. You'll go to jobs and you'll make money and you'll live and so forth. But will you ever accomplish that which God intended? A lot of difference. And you need to have the confidence in your own mind. I'm doing what God wants me to do. But some people don't feel like they are of much value. Now, I want you to look at your notes here. And I just want to refer to a couple things in the Word of God. Trading our treasures. You might not think you have much to give. I'm just a poor man. I don't have anything. Just a poor man, yeah. And um, all the wealth of this world, you already know that when you die, you're going to leave how much of it? You're going to leave it all. How much did you come with? Naked as a jaybird. And when you leave, <laughs> you're going to be the same way. Well, look there in the top verse. I have showed you all things. How that so laboring, you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, most people do not believe that. It's more blessed to get than to give. And so people spend their whole life trying to get and accumulate more and more. I got to have a better this and a better that. And there they go. And that's why some people can't afford to serve the Lord. So they can't afford to. I just can't afford to, to give to God what I should give and do with my life what I, I, just can't, I can't afford. After I read the Bible, I found I can't afford not to. I can't afford not to serve God because it'll cost me a lot more not to serve him than it does if I did serve him. Now, I know that might sound a little deep and a little spiritual and all that, kind of, but still the truth. And you can't outgive God. So in the Old Testament, when God wanted a great job to be done, he looked for a man who had just about given totally up on being used by God. You see, whenever he was down there in Egypt, he'd already decided that I am going to deliver the people of Israel from the iron hill of uh, this uh, Egyptian authority. But the only problem is they didn't follow him. He said, who made you a judge and a king over us, a ruler? So he ran for his life and was on the backside of a desert for 40 years. 40 years learning the way of the Egyptians and learning 40 years later how humble he really was. And all he was now doing was just keeping some sheep. Really has been humbled. Not worth much. And he can't accomplish anything. So he can't go back to Egypt. Man out there in the wilderness. Got married and had a couple of kids. Just living his life. And one day he, um, he saw a bush that was burning. It was on fire. And the only problem was it didn't consume it. So out of curiosity, he got a little bit closer, and God spoke and said, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. And when he did, God talked to him. He says, I got a job for you. He says, I'm not interested. He says, I want you to go to a place. I ain't going. And so God had to give him five answers because he had five questions on why God ought to get somebody else because I'm not the man for the job. And you'd be surprised how many people say, well, no, I'm just not the man for the job. I, I can't do it. I can't go. I can't sacrifice. I can't. I, you don't know. I got a wife and two kids. I got a wife and five kids. Now, if you have 10, I can understand it. But if you go. But so there's always a reason. excuses that we give. Now, he makes a statement here in this verse. I want you to look right on your hand. God says, what's that in your hand? Moses answered and said, Lord, he says, um, behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. 
For they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto me. Because see, what happened before? Forty years before that happened to him. Who do you think you are? Who made you so holy, holy? Oh, you're going to be a preacher, huh? You're better than me, huh? You holy Joe. You think you're so much more righteous than I am? You'd be surprised to think that people say they can hurt and cut you. Well, the Lord said unto him, what is that in thy hand? And he says, a rod. Did God ever use that rod? You know, that's all he had in his hand was a rod. And God used that rod. You say, how do you know? Well, I watched the movie Ten Commandments. I saw Charleston Heston stand there with that thing. And I saw when he threw it down, it became a snake. And they threw theirs down and they became snakes. But his snake ate up their snakes. I like that part. Or whenever Moses stood there and he oversaw that great big old sea and he stands still and see the salvation of God. You see, he used what God had given him. That's all he had, a rod. See, God can use you with what you have. I've had people say, well, if I could sing like that, I could serve the Lord too. Oh, you mean you can't serve the Lord unless you can sing like that? Oh, I could serve the Lord if I could play the piano like Larry LeCount over here. Well, just come and see me. I'll give you some lessons. <laughs> you don't have to play the piano like Larry. You don't have to sing like Jesse Martinez. You don't have to be like anybody else. God wants to use you with what you have. You say, well, I don't have anything. I knew you was going to say that. So this sermon is designed with you in mind. I want to help you. Look at the next statement. Who hath made man's mouth? Moses said unto the Lord, O oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither hitherto nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. He had a peach impediment. So he had a problem. You ever said, you know, I just can't speak in front of people. You know, it's kind of like a, a man. He speaks words up to 200 words a minute. And a woman speaks words to 300 words a minute. And Gus up to 500. But you'd be surprised, God, he says, who made man's mouth? Did God eliminate what he wanted him to do just because, well, I'm afraid to talk in front of people? What's that got to do with anything? Well, I'm shy. Who cares? That's not an excuse. That is not why you can't do the job. That is not a good reason. That's a lie. And some people don't believe that I used to be shy and timid. Scared to death of people, getting up in front of people. You look at me now and say, well, he does it with ease. Yeah, you ought to see me for the first 30 years. But I'd have to do it because that's what I've got to do. I can't afford to get out of it. I can't quit. It's no longer an option. I'm always trying to challenge and motivate people to do more than what you think you can do. Because I believe it's the truth. It's what God's word he says in the next verse, And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who makes the dumb, or the deaf, or the seen, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? And God says, I want you to do this. Well, I can't do that. Get somebody else. So he got Aaron, and but did he have problems? He had problems because of Aaron. When he went up on the mountain to get the law, and when he come down, Aaron says, I don't know what happened. Threw this gold in the thing, and all of a sudden this cow jumped out. Liar, 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 pants on fire. The people... And they'll always blame. Well, I could have served the Lord, but, but somebody else said, did, whatever. You just don't understand. No, God does. 
God knows. Look at the next statement. What are they among so many? There's a lad here. This is in John chapter 6. And there's all these people and, well, they're hungry. So um, they got to have something to eat. So Jesus told the disciples, run down here to Burger King and McDonald's and get some hamburgers and let's just feed everybody. Is that what he did? Here's God. And he says, uh, what, what do we have? Well, there's this little lad here. He's got a couple of fish and some bread. You know, that's all he's got. That's all we have. Well, it says, there's a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Look how many people. And there's not much here. But Jesus could take that little bit that this little boy had. And he fed thousands. Jesus can take that little that you have and multiply it. If it stays in your hands, in your control, you'd be surprised how it can just like water. In the Old Testament, it talks about having pockets with holes in them. You put in the money and it just goes right through the hole. You ever feel like you're just working, you can't get ahead? You make money and it's, it's gone. Try to save some and as soon as you saved $1,000, the car broke down and cost $1,000. As soon as you save $500, the air conditioner blow up. And next thing you know, there goes that money. You ever have anything like that happen? Have you ever had anything like that happen? Yes, yeah. yeah, here's the testimony right down here. <laughs> Can I have another testimony? <laughs> but it happens. But now, you've got to learn things of this world are coming and going. And so are you. So you want to trade some of these temporary treasures that you value so much and give them up for something that will last a lot longer, that will last for eternity. Look at the next statement. Such as I have, give I thee. I <laughs> love this. In Acts chapter 3, here's Peter, and they, they're coming up to the, the temple, you know, and, and all of a sudden here's a man, alms, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. He, he says, silver and gold have I. I'm a whole bunch. He said, I'm, I'm the Pope. And I have a place over here in uh, St. Peter's Cathedral. And I got all this gold and silver. Like that. Well, how, well, how much you need? Peter didn't say that. And he was not the first Pope. They said, well, the, uh, you know, the Pope can't have a wife. Well, they forget that Peter had a wife. So Peter couldn't have been the first Pope. It would have been a shame for a man. Shows you how dumb he really is if he has a mother-in-law and no wife. Can you figure out anybody who'd want a mother-in-law and no wife? He had a wife. So therefore, he was not the first pope. And I'm so glad. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. God had given him power and he used what he had. Silver and gold have I none. He didn't have none of that. And yet, look how many people. Do you think that he must have been a failure in life? Look what Peter could have been. If he hadn't served the Lord, he could have, he could have been a pope. <laughs> no. He had nothing. No valuable stuff. Look at the next statement. Where it says, for your sakes he became poor. Who are we talking about here in the scripture? Well, this scripture is talking about Jesus. Did you know that at one time there was this guy? He lived on another planet. It's called heaven. And he was rich. I mean, he owned everything. He owned the whole universe. All kind of power, have anything he wanted. And he left glory and came into this world and humbled himself as a man. And though he was rich, he became poor that we 
through his poverty might be made rich. Why did he do all of that? He was rich, but he became poor that we, through his poverty, might be made rich. Who would have ever figured that Jesus Christ, when he came into this world, would have probably had to be on food stamps? Well, I don't think so. He just makes some bread. But now notice that verse. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, he only lived here for a short period of time, and through his poverty... We don't know if he ever owned a home. Did he have a Mercedes? He didn't have one. You say, well, did he have a triumph? I don't know. His triumph was heard throughout the land. It'll be a long day. Look at the next statement. She cast in all that she had. Now, the Bible says this is what Jesus did. So Jesus goes to the temple there, and he's against the treasury, and he's going to watch. You know what he's going to watch? He's going to see how much money people put in to the offering. Do you think he came this morning? He said, was the Lord here this morning? Sure was. I brought him. Now, is the devil here? Yeah, you might have brought him. (laughs) But yes, the Lord came this morning. Do you believe that God was watching the offering this morning? Do you think he was watching the song service? Sing unto the Lord, and everyone that hath voice, let him praise the Lord. Did you sing this morning? Was God watching? Or here you are, up here, so he pouring out his heart, getting everybody to sing, and here you are. <laughs> praise the Lord. I am. Are you happy in the Lord? Yeah. Now, I know that wasn't you because everybody here sings. Next Sunday, we're going to be watching. And we're going to have the cameras rolling because I want those people to watch all y'all smiles. Now, but what about this treasury business? Was God watching to see how much they put in the offering? He was watching. God that created heaven and earth, the one that doesn't need a dime from anybody. But see, we give because it's like a thermometer of our love for the Lord. It's a thermometer of our faith that we have in the Lord. Because it shows that we trust the Lord and that we believe that I can plant some in God's work and trust the Lord to give back whatever he wants me to have. Did you know that, and I believe this, a lot of people don't. I get criticized all the time. Whatever they gave under the law, if they wanted to give 10%, I'm not under the law. I don't have to give anything. But I don't want people under the law to give more than what I will give under grace. So I would say that's a good place to give. That's a good measure to give, whatever you want to do. So I've always made sure I've always given more than a 10%, always, my whole Christian life. Why? Because I just don't want somebody under the law to outdo me. Now, you can have your own reason, your own motive. But I thought, what kind of work could we do for the Lord if everybody did give to the Lord what they believed? That that's what God wants them to do. Now, now, look at this verse. And Jesus said over against the treasure and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. He was watching. And many that were rich cast in much. Evidently, we don't have any rich people in our church. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. No, but God has been good to us. He really has. And uh, we've got, he said, how are you doing financially? Well, we're keeping our nose above the waterline so that our feet don't drown. So, but uh, God has blessed us and uh, we thank the Lord for it. But now look at the next statement. When he said, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow. Now, wait a minute. 
Jesus knew this woman was a widow. Uh, Jesus knew this woman was poor. And he watched it. So he wrote out a check and gave it to her for $5,000. No, he didn't do anything. And she threw in two mites. I mean, as little as she had. Which make a farthing. And then it says, He called unto him his disciples, and he said unto them, Verily I send you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. This woman who only gave just a small pittance, a couple pennies, she gave more than those rich folks. And they gave a lot. But says she gave more. Because see, they gave out of their abundance and she gave all that she had. She was poor. She was a widow. She gave all that she had. Now, was somebody watching this? God knew this. Do you think she did that just so Jesus would say this about her? I doubt it. Do you believe that whenever she gets to heaven, God's going to reward her for what sacrifice she made? But now notice. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Now, nobody told her to do that. You see, nobody can make you sacrifice everything that you have. Nobody can make you you can be as dedicated to God as you want to be. But you don't point fingers at somebody else who doesn't do exactly what you do, but everybody ought to do something. Everybody that knows Christ as Savior should serve the Lord. Everybody should carry tracts and witness for the Lord. You should, but you may not. Some will do more than others. But God says also in His Word, Be it unto you according to your faith. Be it unto you according to your faith. Your rewards in heaven is going to be unto you according to your faith. Your blessings in life could probably be according to your faith. What do you trust God for? Are you willing to step out on a limb? Remember, out on that limb is where the fruit is. The fruit's not on the trunk. I mean, I go pick apples. <laughs> they run all over the trunk. Or out there on the limb. You know how I used to get plums? I climbed the tree and get out of there as far as I could on the limb. And I would sit there and I would eat these great big old plums. I mean, grew deep. They, they grew in the cemetery. And for some reason or another, the ground was really enriched. And these cherries, wild cherries. And I sat in there and I would eat until my tummy would almost bust. And nobody knew about this tree in the cemetery but me. And then, whenever we wanted a Christmas tree, my mom and daddy... Stepdad, never knew where I got my Christmas tree. In the cemetery grew the prettiest trees you've ever seen. And they were big, but at the top, they were perfectly shaped. And so I would climb up that tree, and I would cut down my Christmas tree. And it was perfectly shaped. And I would take it home. Mama would say, where'd you get that? I was just down the road. And then somebody else liked my Christmas tree. So I cut down a few more trees <laughs> for a price. And people were trying to figure out what happened to those trees in the cemetery. <laughs> did I tell? No, I did not tell. You said, that was wrong. You got it right. I never told you I had been perfect all my life. <laughs> just until last year. <laughs> But you see, there's times when you 
realize you don't have much and you don't consider whatever you do of great value. See, some people don't go to church because they, they don't put a value on it. They don't give the way they should because they don't put any value on it. They don't read their Bible because, well, I don't need to. They don't put a value on it. You see, they have misplaced their values. They got time for the world. They got time to do everything. You know what I was so blessed with yesterday? I came over here, and I had been over here for several hours, and I got ready to leave. And I walked outside, and I saw a whole bunch of cars down here at the gym. And I thought to myself, self, what are all them cars down here for? So I snuck down there, and I opened the door, and I walked in, and I saw these people in there working, working like dogs, slaves. And they were totally destroying this room. And I caught them in the act. And they were changing everything. And they put something on this wall, and they put something on another wall, and they had it all cleaned up, and they built some desks, not desks, but some cabinets, and put them in. And, and there was uh, Jesse and his wife, and Mr. Uh, Yant and his wife, and Jan and his wife, and a couple little kids running over. And, and they were in it, and they were working. I thought, this is so fantastic. This is called family time. Quality time. I thought they could have gone to the beach and wasted all that time, but now there's a result that'll last forever in that room. And they'd accomplish something, and it looks good. And they weren't destroying the room after all. But before they got a chance to put me to work, I had to leave. <laughs> and so anyway, I appreciate them coming and doing a lot of good hard work. But they're doing what they can do, and I appreciate it. And they don't have a lot of time off. That's their, some of them, that's the only day they got off. But they spent it over here doing this, and so I appreciate them. Now, I want you to look at the next statement where he says, As poor, making many rich. Now, I want you to take your Bible and look at this scripture with me. Look there in the book of 2 Corinthians and chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You may consider yourself poor as far as the things of this world are concerned. But notice what we have here, and understand the value of this in chapter 6, in verse 1. We then, as, see that word in verse 1? Workers together with Him. That is a very valuable position, is to be with Him and working together. Working together for the Lord. You see, that's what they were doing yesterday, and I was proud of that. I was glad to see. Taking... Jesse's time off. Well, probably his wife made him do it. Mother-in-law. Your mother-in-law did. <laughs> now, he has a mother-in-law. I guarantee you that. And so it says here in verse 3, giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. You see, you have a ministry. I have a ministry. This church is a ministry. But we don't want to live in such a way that we bring shame to the ministry or shame to yourself or shame to the Lord. Because we're workers or labors together with God. And God knows what we have and what we do not have. And so look what he says here in verse 4. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, necessities, and distresses, in stripes, imprisonment, in tumults, in labors, in watching, in fasting. Now, there's a lot of things that's going to happen to you in life. And through all this experience, you're going to learn something. And everything you learn by either the supplying 
of your needs or the diminishing of your needs, you're going to learn how to be faithful. And you're going to find out that uh, tribulation work is patience. You're going to learn valuable lessons that many people will never learn. You see, as you live your Christian life, you are being enriched, becoming valuable in the hands of God. And as you get older, you're supposed to be richer than you've ever been in your life. Now, I'll show you that in just a second. So look down here in verse 10. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. In other words, even though things happen in your life, and there can be a lot of sorrow and hurt and pain, as poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing all things. There must be a difference in what we're talking about. You're poor, but you're rich. You don't have anything, but you possess all things. So there must be a difference in the treasures of this world and the treasures in the next. Lay up treasures in heaven. Lay not up treasures upon the earth. So there has to be a difference. So you're trading your treasures. And there's a song that we used to sing in camp. And they would, the kids would sing it. I very seldom ever sung it because that's why I can't remember. It's just called, I'm trading my sorrows. But that's all the part I know. I don't know any more than that song. I just, I'm trading my sorrow. I'm trading my shame or I'm trading something for the joy of the Lord. I'm giving up something for something that's supposed to be better. So you're giving up something here for something better that's going to last a long time. Look at the next statement. Trading our treasures, growing in the Lord is learning to trade our temporary treasures for eternal treasures. As we grow older, we reveal our wisdom by the choices we make. Our choices reveal its value. Because in your life, aren't you always making decisions? And that decision you came down on this side is supposedly of greater value than the other option that you had. So we all got options. You are all making decisions. If you are as smart and as wise as you think you are, then you'll make the better choices, the right choices. You ever heard that good, better, best? Never let it rest till your good is better and your better best. But there's something even better. Look at the next statement. How to make people rich. Because here you are, you're a Christian. My purpose in teaching the Bible is to make all of God's people rich. You say, are you one of those uh, preachers that's, uh, you know, prosperity gospel kind of individuals? Well, I want you to be rich in the Lord. I want you to have much treasure laid up in heaven. I'm not interested in you um, running to your mailbox and see if that $10,000 check came in. That's not what I'm talking about. So look at the next statement. Underneath that little statement, how to make people rich, we have much to give because we have been given much. Now, over the years, God gives you more. So you ought to be richer today than you were last year. Let me show you. There are lessons we have learned from walking in the light, and there are lessons we have learned from walking in the flesh. When you have rebelled against God, didn't you learn something? When you walk in the Spirit and obey the Lord, didn't you learn something? Don't you think those lessons you have learned are valuable? When you obeyed the Lord, that's valuable. When you disobeyed the Lord, you still learned some valuable lessons, or you should have learned. Some people live and learn, and some people live and never learn. Look at the next statement. 
because he makes this statement in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. When you're talking about darkness, it means you were lost. You were in the dark. Where are you going to die? I don't know. You're lost. So you're in the dark. And so the flesh, your first birth, is in the dark. You trusted Christ as Savior. God put you in the light. Now you know. But some people who know they're going to heaven walk in the dark. They walk in the flesh. So God says, because you're now children of the light, walk in the light. So one of my responsibilities is try to get God's people to walk in the light. So when they go home, they're going home in the light. And you don't want to go home in the dark. In other words, to keep you and get you over the finish line without walking in the dark. Trying to challenge and motivate God's people. Walk with the Lord. Walk in the truth of God's light. Now look at the next statement. All fruit are the manifestation of God's love. You see, if you love the Lord, then all these other things will take care of themselves. And so the fruits of the Spirit are fruits to give. In the book of Galatians, in chapter 5, talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and so on. The, those fruits of the Spirit are fruits that God gave to me to give to somebody else. So you are richer than you know. Did you know that majority of people in this life, they need something? Look in the first one I wrote here. We can give patience. Because our tribulation has taught us patience from our Heavenly Father. Hasn't God taught you some patience? And now, what do you have to give that makes you valuable? You've got some patience to give. Sometimes your wife might need a little patience. Maybe not a lot, maybe just a little. Can you afford to give it to her? How rich are you? See, God gave us these things so that we can give others these things that he has made us rich. Though you're poor, you don't have much of the world's good, but you're rich because of what God's given to you. And look at number two. We can give compassion. I told the kids in college in chapter uh, 9 of the book of Matthew when he talks about, and he looked upon the multitude and was moved with compassion on them because they were like sheep having no shepherd. Having compassion in the book of Jude where he talks about making a difference, having compassion, pulling them out of the fire. You see, you may not have a lot of money, but can you demonstrate compassion on somebody? Do you ever give compassion? Do you feel they're hurt? Do you really care? Have you ever shown your kids compassion? Or are you just all strict law? They don't deserve it. Or you hate the kids, or you hate your wife, you hate your husband, you hate the people that work. You see, that has nothing to do with you. Pay the price. They may need something very valuable, like uh, the next word is, we can give forgiveness. Can you give somebody forgiveness? Can you forgive them? See, it's a lot of people don't, they can't afford to do that. And they won't do that. But see, you're rich. God has forgiven you. And because God has forgiven you, for Christ's sake, you can forgive somebody else. You see, some people need this more than they need money in the bank. More than they need a new car. More than they need a new job. More than they need a house. They need forgiveness. See, you're rich. You have something to give. But see, most of God's people won't give it. Because they don't, that's not valuable. Yes, those are valuable items. Because that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what God gave to you. 
some fruit to give. And so you can't say, well, I don't have any to give. Well, why not? Look at the next thing then. We can give understanding because we have received understanding from our Heavenly Father. Sometimes people just want to talk. And they just want you to listen. They just want you to know how they think and feel. The hurt, the pain. They just want you to understand. Can you afford to give somebody a little of that? You'd be surprised how it can enlighten your life. And you're richer than you know. And you don't have to worry about the the money of this world. God may give you some, and God can take it away. But these are things that man cannot take away from you. That spirit of love that you have, man can't take that away. Compassion, man can't take that away from you. Because, see, these are greater values to have in your life. And the last thing, we can give joy because we have received joy from our Heavenly Father. Christ says, my joy I give. The book of John. And no man can take away that joy. We can give love because we have received love from our Heavenly Father. Can you love the lost man? Didn't somebody love you? And God has enriched our lives. The last line that I got down here. Our race to run means crossing the finish line. Walking in the light. But also helping others make it home without walking in the dark. Now, let me just mention this to you. Let's just say, for example, I've known Bob Brooks here for years. Long time. Me and Bob are both getting up there in age. Not only do I want to cross the finish line in the light, me serving the Lord. I want to do everything that I can to help Bob cross the finish line in the light. We got a young man right down here, Jesse Martinez. I not only want him to you know, serve the Lord, but I want him to finish his race walking in the light. I don't want God's children walking in the flesh, walking in the dark. I don't want you losing your way. I don't want you to become a stumbling block to others. I want you to live above reproach. And I want to try to do everything in my power while I can to help every person in this room cross that finish line. Because we don't know where the finish line is. And everybody needs help. And everybody in this room has something to give. You are of great value. And there's people who need some of these valuable lessons that God has taught you. Look up here. This hand represents you and me and the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now he hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in hell. But God doesn't want us to go to hell. He loves us, wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we've got to be perfect, as righteous as God. Nobody's perfect. We've all come short of God's perfection. We've all sinned. We've all failed. And we're all guilty. And we're just waiting for the day of execution. One day we're going to die. But God wants us to have this eternal life. But we can't earn it. We can't work our way to heaven. With man, this is totally impossible. He cannot save himself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. Now, he hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. But because he loved us, he took our sins, paid for them on the cross.
our value is revealed by the price he was willing to pay. So if he was willing to die for you, give his life for you, you realize how valuable you are to God? Don't you belittle who you are and what you are. You are precious in the eyes of the Lord. He came back from the dead and he said, whosoever would believe that he did it for them. He would put this payment to their account and you could go to heaven on what Christ did for you. He loves you that much. You see, he had love and therefore he can give love. If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that you'll do it today, right now. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. And if you're watching by internet, remember the only thing you have to do, it's the only thing you can do, and that is to trust the Lord. God loves you. Send his son to pay for your sins. He came back from the dead. And all he wants you to do is believe he did it for you. I pray that you'll do so. And right on the screen says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. I pray that you'll do that. For you that are in the auditorium, you may have heard this a thousand times, but have you really ever trusted Christ as your Savior? If you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? I pray that you would. But if you haven't done so, why not do it right now? Just between you and the Lord, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe that when Christ died, he died for me. And I'm going to trust him right now as my Savior. And friend, if you're making that decision, I'd like to pray for you. I'm going to ask you if you'll just slip your hand in very quickly. It just lets me know that you're trusting Christ as your Savior. And I'd like to have prayer for you. If you've never done it before and you'll do it right now, would you just slip your hand in very quickly? And we're all. Not going to have you forward. Not going to embarrass you. You that know Christ as your Savior, do you see how rich you really are? Do you see how poor the people in this world really are? I don't care if they're millionaires and billionaires. If they don't know the Lord, they're poor. And we are rich because we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Father, thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for blessing each one here. Bless those that are watching by internet. We just want them to understand how much you really love them. And thank you for this time together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.